I think uh, Mo and his team did a good job of filling some holes that we had and, and you know, getting us in a position where we can be, uh, you know, competitive for the uh, in the division and, and uh, you know, in the league. So um, I'm happy with what has been accomplished in the postseason here. You know, um, Mo made a good point the other day when he spoke to us about um, – when he brought in Haim Bloom, it's to get a, a view from the outside to see where we are uh, compared to industry. Um, after last year and then the previous years um, with unfortunate playoff results, do you guys, from the ownership standpoint, also take a different perspective, try to get a different vantage point to make sure you got the thing as high, the, the level as high as possible? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, when I saw that Heim had been uh, let go in Boston, and and Mo saw it as well. Uh, I, I immediately thought, you know, we could probably use someone like that who's been with a small market, big market, very smart guy, um, to kind of help see what's going on with our organization. And you know, interestingly, Mo thought the same thing. And uh, so he called me like two days later, and I said, you know, it's interesting because I had the same thought. And, uh, you know, we're on the same page there, which is great. I, th- I think he can be very helpful. I mean, we've our team's been together a long time, and, you know, you never know what else is out there that, that you know, maybe our guys, you know, have, have not, uh, you know, been in, in touch with or – you know the the world changes, and it's helpful to get the perspective for somebody who's you know been with different organizations. Bill, do you see the Bill, you see the money that the Dodgers spent not just on the top free agent available and the money they deferred specifically for that top free agent, but also the extensions that Atlanta's spending, the money that the Mets threw around last year. As an owner, are you at all concerned that the, the gap is getting wider? between the teams at that level of spending and teams in your spot or even teams lower, like, in your division? Well, um, I think it's, uh, you know, the way the game is set up now. The big markets have an advantage in terms of revenue they generate, and, you know, they're taking advantage of that. So, you know, we're... We're in a certain level of the market and try to do everything we can to compete with that and, uh, of course, the other teams that we play. But, um, you know, it's kind of the nature of the game. And give them credit. I mean, if they have the resources to do that, which they do, uh, you know, they're going to try to have the best teams possible. And, you know, same thing we're trying to do. How how do you you close that gap not financial, then is it with innovation? Is it structure? Is it spending elsewhere in player development? And how do you do that at a time when also the RSN rights might just be in turmoil? Well, on the RSN front, fortunately, it looks like uh, we'll get full payment this year, uh, which gives us a full year to try to figure out how we're going to best monetize our TV rights. I mean, we've got a big audience. Uh, as you know, Cardinal Country is uh, bigger than the city of St. Louis. 
and we think we can do pretty well in the future, but it's to be determined because we haven't really run that uh, operation internally, and we'll see how that develops. And then the other part of that is closing the gap. If you can't do it financially with the bigger market teams, where do you do it? Does it, does it have to be on the player development or innovation front? Well, I, yeah, I mean, you compete the best way you can, and I, we've always felt that draft and develop is the cardinal model, and it's played out pretty well for us over the years. So, you know, we'll continue to do that, but pick our spots on free agents, and, um, you know, we we'll, we'll feel like we can compete with anybody. So, uh, you know, they clearly have an advantage, but... You know, I think we saw this last year where, uh, you know, some some of the higher price payrolls didn't necessarily do that well. Uh, base, baseball's interesting game that way. You mentioned draft and develop. Uh, obviously, it's worked with a lot of hitters lately. It used to work really well with pitchers, but maybe not yet. I mean, like, obviously, Tim and all them haven't made it to the bigs yet, so acknowledging that. But what, what have you learned as, as leaders in regards to um, scouting, drafting, and, and developing players? Uh, over the last recent years from a pitching standpoint? Um, I guess you'd have to ask, you know, Mo and the team that. Um, you know, we've been performance-oriented, so pitchers who have performed well, we're more apt to draft than, um, you know, uh, those who have maybe more physical tools, and there, maybe there's a balance there. Um, so, uh, you know, our goal is to obviously develop pitchers. That's where, uh, you know, our need has been. We've done well on the position player side, but not so much on pitching. Good news is that, you know, when we got in a position where we needed to make some changes, uh, we got some really good pitching prospects. Uh, and, you know, the one who got the award last night, Bragesick, I think I pronounced that correctly. Uh, there's an example of uh, a good young kid who's, who's, you know, really good prospect. So the more good prospects you have on the pitching front, the better. Um, but, you know, with, as you saw, we went outside the organization to get the three pitchers we got. And, uh, you know, we'll try to do a better job on draft, <laughs> drafting and developing. The regional uh, sports network situation, how important revenue streaming is to the Cardinals. Um, obviously, it's not a black and white issue, and it differs for each team. But did the uncertainty for the 2024 season impact spending at all this offseason? The uncertainty on, on the, the future with Valley, not just for 2024, but beyond. Uh, no, we were pretty committed this year to. Uh, do what we've done, you know, the, the kind of payroll that we're going to have. Uh, we knew that we would get 80% at the worst, probably, uh, on the Valley front. But that's a big hit, losing 20%. And, you know, as time goes on, we'll know better what we can expect in the future. But right now, we don't really have that knowledge. So, uh, you know, that'll impact our payroll. 
Bill, I believe yesterday was the eight-year anniversary of the NFL vote that moved the Rams out of St. Louis and Billy went out that night with Tom Stillman and made a pretty public statement, you know, in favor of the city and, and, and sort of standing up for a city that lost a team. There was a vote this past fall where the A's were given unanimous mm -hmm. consent from the ownership to move from Oakland to Las Vegas. Do you, do you see conflict in that? And is that, can you, is that a circle you can square or do you think those are two different situations? Uh, conflict in what sense? Just, just, I mean, you, you all were very strong about how you felt about the way that things happened with the Rams and, and, and the stability that St. Louis earned from supporting that team. There's a fan base in Oakland that is going to lose their team, presumably. Do you think that there is a conflict there in, in, in being a vote in favor of that move, or do you, do you not see one there? Well, I think Oakland tried forever to get a new stadium, and they just weren't able to do it. And... Um, frankly, I haven't been there for a long time, and, but I know, you know it was not a good situation from a, a stadium standpoint. So, you know, they really needed one, and they, they, they couldn't pull it off. Um, and so that really drove the, drove the move. I think when you look at what happened here, I mean, we had a stadium plan teed up in St. Louis. So... Um, there was a lawsuit that settled for a giant number, uh, which suggests that uh, uh, those paying the damages on that lawsuit might have felt like perhaps they weren't as um, clear about the processes they could have been. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But uh, they're totally different situations, I think. Might, this might be a baseball operations question, but you have a manager headed into the last year of his contract. How do you stand on a possible extension, or do you need to see improvement first, or how do you guys feel about that? Well, I, we're very uh, positive on Ollie as our manager, uh, and you know, we'll see how this year goes, but uh, I have full expectation that after this year he'll continue as our manager. How would you describe uh, do you have an appetite interested in making more additions to this team before games begin? There seems like there's still a lot of free agents on the pitching side, relievers, starters that could be beneficial that are maybe going to start to get hungry to have a deal in hand before too long. I know Mo's, uh, Mo and his group are out there looking particularly at the reliever market, so it would be nice if we could uh, acquire some additional help on that front. When you look back at last season, what stood out to you most as the thing that you most want to see um, be addressed or, or fixed in, in this season? I've heard a lot of players, coaches come through here and say they want to get back to playing Cardinal baseball. Um, what does that mean to you? And what does that look like? Well, um, I think Cardinal baseball uh, is a very competitive team and, and um, you know, you've got players that want to win and uh, do everything they can to help us win. And I think some of the players that we've acquired, particularly the three pitchers are the prominent ones, fit that bill. Uh, there's no question that we were a little short on the pitching front last year. And uh, and I think the culture that, that those three and others uh, bring is part of their asset. I mean, they're good pitchers, but also, uh, you know, they're good teammates and competitive competitors. 
Bill, understanding the appetite from the fan base for winning baseball in St. Louis um, and understanding how important it is for you guys in terms of ticket sales as, as part of uh, the way you guys operate, just what was the sense of urgency from your perspective to make sure to do the things this offseason in terms of adding players and, and getting the, the team the things they needed in order to make sure this could be a quick turnaround? Well, you know, to Mo's credit and, and his, his team's credit, when he said, you know, we're going to get three new pitchers, I thought, yeah, it's easy to say, hard to do. <laughs> um, uh, but he was able to do it by acting early and being aggressive. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate that that, that transpired because we're, we're pretty high on that group. Um, and, you know, it, it's not that easy to go out try to, fill out your starting rotation when you need three starters. So, um, you know, I, I feel good about that. What were the conversations with Mo when you guys discussed hiring Gaia Molina as a special advisor to the team, and what do you expect from him this year to be the impact from him? Um, good question. I, I think, um, you know, sort of TBD. I, I think anytime Yachty's around here, it's a big plus. I know most talked to him on a number of occasions, and he's fired up to come here. Um, but you know, it's not full time. Uh, but nevertheless, I think he'll have a very strong impact when he's here, and there will be a residual effect of it as well. So I'm excited to uh, see Yadi back here and look forward to it. Bill, to, to Benjamin's earlier question, Mo's been very candid with us, and certainly with you about his desire to sort of step back from his current position by the end of the 25 season. You all bring in Heim, the position that you brought Heim Bloom into. Is it too simplistic for us to look at that, to look at Mo's timeline, and to draw a connection? Is that too simple for us, or, or can you imagine a future where that's how that unfolds for this team? Well, I think, you know, Mo, Mo has said that, 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 you know, that's a potential timeline for him, and the sequence of Heim Bloom coming on, I wouldn't say necessarily was part of that. It, it was, uh, you know, get another asset in our baseball ops group. So, you know, it's a, it's a fresh look. And, you know, if it turns out that Mo is moving on or, or wants to go in a different direction in a couple of years, then, you know, we, we've got a more beefed up staff than we would have had otherwise. Bill, you did, you did that notably back in 0304 when you brought Luno on to have a fresh look, a different look, and kind of build up the analytics approach that then you benefited from because of Mo and, and Gersh and others for about another decade. And then when Mo moved up to president, one of the things he said was he wanted to address where he felt the Cardinals had fallen behind and had lost an edge. Did the industry catch up? And how do you think the Cardinals have done a, a, in the last, say, five, six years of kind of looking for and regaining that edge? Well, I'm not sure when he said that. Or when he was promoted to president. You mean? From GM to president. Oh, okay. Which, <laughs> refresh my memory what year that was. Six years ago, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure that really changed his role at that no. point. It was more title. Uh, differential, but um, uh, look, uh, you know, I think overall we've done a good job of drafting and developing. Uh, you know, we've got a good crop of young players that are emerging and have emerged. 
and particularly obviously on the position player side but you can always improve and do better and you know it's good to get a, a fresh look and uh, see if our model is continuing to be effective and uh, you know we always try to improve. Bill when you all signed your most recent deal with Bailey's I know there was at least some discussion some seemingly looking into what an in-house network would look like, whether it was you and the Blues or, or a larger conglomeration. Obviously, you didn't go that way. Are the things that you learned through that exploration process, are those still relevant now, or has the industry changed so much on that standpoint that you would maybe have to even reconsider what that process looks like if that's the way you go, whether it's in a year or eight months or whatever it is? Yeah. Bill's done some work on that. Yeah, so. I would say that when we did our big extension with <coughs> then Fox Sports Midwest, I think it was um, 2018, as I recall, when we signed that deal. And, you know, that gave us sort of a runway of a long stretch of rights, fees, payments, because they're really the middleman in that situation. They buy the rights from us annually. They turn around and monetize them on their end by getting distribution and all that other stuff. So... Um, what's happened is, is that business model has cratered because of what we all know the trends being with cord cutting and um, in some cases even fans who have kept the bundle in their TV situations at home uh, might have lost Cardinal Baseball if, for example, their carrier, um, like Dish, for example, drops Fox Sports. So there's two ways in which people have um, run into issues getting Cardinals Baseball. And so the model has gotten pressure on all fronts. Um, now, though, uh, what will happen is if we get through next season under the status quo, and we're still with the Blues and the other properties on Fox Sports Midwest, it's, it's likely that um, that would be the end of the line there and that the rights would return back to us and the Blues. And so in some respects, you're kind of a free agent at that point. You can... Um, partner with the Blues and do a channel. We could um, go it alone as part of uh, perhaps a more holistic MLB-only strategy that would um, uh, take care of a number of issues for fans related to access, which is a problem for us right now. Uh, in any event, regardless of how it works with Blues, without, on our own, what have you, um, it's likely there will be a direct-to-consumer product that emerges um, where anybody that doesn't have access to games now would be able to buy a monthly package and get direct streaming in market. That's in the future, whether it's next year or beyond. So um, I think to summarize on this issue, um, from a team standpoint and from an industry standpoint, it's quite a scramble. It's quite a project to figure out how to get all these teams that are um, getting the rights handed back to them, back into a place where they were, and um, and so and the, uh, while other teams haven't gotten to that point yet, maybe they still have an RSM that's viable for a period of time or into the future or not. The main thing to think about, though, is from a fan standpoint, it's going to get better pretty soon. Um, uh, the, the the two ways in which they've lost access to Cardinal games that I mentioned before, those both go away if you have a direct-to-consumer product. So um, I think this is very interesting from a team point of view, and it's a lot of work for us to really understand our market better if we have to monetize our own rights and all that kind of stuff. So all that has, like, 
internal issues for us to deal with. But again, from a fan standpoint, I think actually things get better because of this disruption. Is there is there a similarly sized market that you all can sort of model what that might look like? Right? I think of Pittsburgh, for instance, right? They, they do have some ownership of their own RSM. I believe Fenway Sports actually owns their network, and there's some of that that happens there as well. Is there, I don't know, what, what do you look at? Because Marquee, obviously, that's a, that's a larger market, and SNY is a larger market. It's when you look at those team-owned networks versus maybe, maybe it is as simple as you go to cardinals.com and you pay whatever the rate is, and then you're accessing it. Is, is that sort of... I mean, is that the rub? Is that what we should be looking at in terms of how you all think about that development? Well, look, we're looking at all the other team models. Um, the one you mentioned in Pittsburgh, the Pirates and the Penguins just uh, entered into an agreement to do a, a channel on their own. Um, and, you know, we, we talk to other teams a lot. In fact, uh, my counterparts <laughs> with the other teams, particularly the Bally's teams, um, are, are very uh, commonly communicating with each other and trying to be helpful about have you looked at this or are you doing your homework on that if we, I've talked to um, uh, the Padres and uh, the Diamondbacks who had their rights handed back to them in the middle of the last season um, I, I'm in close contact with um, MLB media Billy Chambers is running the the entity that MLB set up to help teams handle this transition so um, it's definitely like a big project. And then the, and the other piece of it is we're doing a lot more work about our actual TV market that we have. You know, when Bally's was paying us a rights fee and then turning around and distributing it into our TV market, in some respects you kind of, you know, would focus on other things because that was a long-term agreement. They were taking care of it. Well, now if it's in our lab, like we better know our market. We better know who's out there, we better know what ratings have looked like in outer market territories, inner market territories. We better understand how our, our ticket sales and other things overlay with those numbers. And that's something that could have ancillary benefits for us as we understand our market better and maybe we package things related to TV access and tickets. And So um, I could kind of go on and on, but the bottom line is, is that we um, we want to we take this opportunity to deal with this disruption in a way that may benefit us beyond just um, handling our rights coming back to us in the in the most efficient possible way on the TV front. Bill, do you have to be do you have to be prepared to get your games going independently next season like twenty twenty five? Do you have to be prepared to be the independent provider for your games even if there's a possibility of an MLB kind of group thing you have to kind of prepare and the idea it'll be you reaching out and you'll have to produce them? Uh, well, if you're a free agent with your rights, yeah. like we might be in 2025, um, there are multiple ways that could go, right? We could do our own network. We could um, work with MLB and have it be a MLB-led effort with a basket of MLB teams that are out in the marketplace getting distribution collectively. Um, there could be another third party that emerges. I mean, there's been rumors of big, the big boys in the bankruptcy auction court, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, coming in and saying, you know, maybe we'll buy these rights, in which case you'd have an intermediary again to deal with instead of valleys, maybe it's someone else. So there are multiple scenarios out there that could play out, and we need to be ready for all of them. Probably if we're ready 
to do it ourselves, then we're ready for anything. That's that's sort of my philosophy. Is there a scenario where this levels the playing field for all teams? Where, I mean, the Yankees and the Dodgers, these teams benefit from large rights fees because of their market. Is there a scenario at all where because of this the disruptions of the word, where it levels the playing field for all teams and, and all of a sudden that's the route to for maybe some of the smaller market teams to, to move up? You want to take that one? Yeah. Um, you know, that's hard to say. I mean, they, they've got some of them on their own networks now, and they're doing well. So, uh, you know, that may or may not change. Uh, I, I just think there's a lot of uncertainty. And, uh, you know, the big markets in the end will have an advantage because they've got more subscribers and uh, more, more, more eyeballs. Uh, but, you know, I, I think we've got a pretty darn good market and, and bigger than, obviously, what the city of St. Louis is because we've got a broad fan base. And one of the disappointing things as time has gone on is we've lost subscribers. And that it's not just the money from the subscribers, but it's, you know, potential loss of ability to follow the team. So, you know, this is a big project for us. And is that the frustration where the blackouts have kind of come into play as well, where you guys know that there's market out there that you could probably capitalize on with the, the wide reach of the fan base, that you're kind of restricted from doing so at present? I think it's blackouts are one thing, and we've been sort of dealing with them for a long time, but it's the two things I mentioned before that have happened, not just in our market, but in a bunch of markets where... Let's say you were a bundle subscriber before, and you cut the cord, and you're now going streaming with all your content. Well, there isn't a direct cardinal streaming option right now in market. Okay, so that's one way people eyeballs have gone down on our product. Number two is you're a bundle subscriber, and you've maintained that bundle, but your particular distributor has dropped the RSN. Eyeballs have gone off of our product again. So... This is again. This is dealing. This is happening everywhere. So we are um, an example of the two. That's why we have to fix the eyeball problem first, and then the economics will flesh out. But we've got to fix that problem where somebody wants access to our games and can't get it. And that's what. Um, but kind of to your point, uh, Derek, would is MLB's goal to um, move towards a more level playing field? through the media route, I would say yes, that is an industry goal. Um, is it doable and practical? That that remains to be seen. But I think the disruption gives the industry an opportunity to try to move in that direction. As you know, we have revenue sharing, yeah. which is a catch-all for no matter how you get your revenue, local media, tickets, concessions, um, sponsorship, or what have you. Um, if you're getting a little bit more over time, even playing field on media, then that, that's a positive thing. But um, strategically, how do you level the playing field a little bit more if you're the commissioner, which is a goal? Certainly media is the first place to look. How you implement that is um, multiple scenario analysis in New York. <laughs> Uh, well, in the internet, I mean, international is now part of this, right? I mean, like, 
the Dodgers signed Shohei Itani. You go to a subscription model, that's a country that a team has access to in a way that the 29 other teams don't. Not, I mean, I'm, I'm You're right, but that's actually largely a um, MLB asset because people in Japan who might want to stream the game mm-hmm. on MLB TV, that would be going into the central fund piece and not directly to the Dodgers. The Dodgers will benefit from some additional sponsorship sure. from that, um, but probably not directly benefit from a TV windfall of any kind. If it splinters, that's the risk. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm asking. Like, like if you guys have a direct-to-market option, and other teams do as well, it's like making sure that it doesn't splinter in a way that then gives a team like that an advantage where you can buy a Dodger subscription. Yeah, I think it's hard to, at this point, speculate on how it's all going to play out because there are a lot of options out there. And I think from our perspective, our goal is to maximize the eyeballs on Cardinal games uh, and, you know, continue the, the broader reach that we have for our fan base. And, you know, also try to maximize the the value of that. But, uh, you know, it's disappointing when we have fans who can't get our games. And I I do think one of MLB's goals is to make sure all fans can get all games that they want and not be cut out of certain, you know, games that uh, aren't available to them because of the current model. Bill, what percentage of your average workday is this taking up, this conversation here? I mean, I, you go to the office, like, how much of your day is, how do I get the game on TV? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put a huge percentage, but it's, like, chunky. You know, there'll yeah. be, like, a whole few days working on this with, like, an upcoming milestone, and then you'll kind of move on it. But so, yeah, but it's top of my list, that's for sure. As a, fran- as a sports franchise in downtown St. Louis, what, what did you uh, learn from watching St. Louis City SC this past year? Were there any lessons about modern modern sports or downtown or what have you that you could share? Uh, yeah, I would say, uh, first of all, I'm very impressed with what they pulled off because, um, you know, they got the stadium and the training facility done in right there in Midtown. Um, it was from scratch. Like, you know, I remember when we were designing this building, and I thought, you know, uh, being very involved in, like, the design and development process, he was the financial guru behind the scenes. Um, how important it was for us to get feedback from all the people that have been around here a long time related to design and development and, like, what should we, how should we design the clubhouse? Well, let's talk to the clubhouse guys, bring them in on the design process. If you're starting from scratch, what do you do? I mean, I'm just very impressed that they were able to pull that off with starting a franchise from scratch and then designing a stadium without that, you know, history and organizational history. So, first of all, kudos to them for pulling it off. And then to have a winning team in the first year and make the playoffs, um, pretty awesome. Um, So I, I think... And, and we've tried to be very open and uh, accommodating to any questions they may have had. Uh, we we're proud of that relationship we've had and built with the Blues. You mentioned the, the puck drop eight years ago. It, it certainly goes well beyond that into um, 
I would call it a, um, a, a special relationship with the Blues and the Cardinals, and we've tried to pull City SC into that too. So um, it's just a feel good for me um, when we see their players at our events rooting for us and vice versa. And um, some teams, some people in my position have took note of that a little bit and said, it's so weird you guys are like friendly with the teams in your market um, and support each other because we're sort of at each other's throats. And they take the view sometimes that we're competing for the same entertainment dollar. you know. So we got to out-compete the other guys. And I, I don't look at it that way at all. Um, and I don't think our fans look at it that way. So it's been a um, pretty cool story for St. Louis, I think. To back up this question about design, Bill, what's the state of play in Jupiter right now? I know there were delays again since that construction you started. What what does that look like, and, and what does that timeline look like now compared to maybe how you want it to be? Well, we were hopeful of getting it started this year, but it's uh, not looking that way at the moment. So, uh, and we're getting right down to spring training. Uh, the the big key is to get it right and uh, you know I think we're on the verge of getting it right uh, but you know it's probably going to be pushed back a year or so uh, you know we, we've been in that facility for a long time and one more year is fine too Bill when you look at the on field results last year what, what gives you the most confidence that that was the one off or the anomaly as opposed to uh, I think it was just one of those years where, you know, what could go wrong did go wrong. And you have years, what could go right did go right. Uh, Baseball is an interesting game that way. Uh, and I th- you go into a season and you think you've got a really good team and get off the kind of start we did. Uh, it can have a, an effect as the year goes on. So I remember Tony LaRusso when he was managing always said, I want to get off to a good start because it sets the tone for the rest of the year. Well, the opposite of that happened. The ticket sales guys say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, it, you know, things happen in baseball. It's not, uh, there, there's no perfect science, that's for sure. Yeah, ask you about this season. In that you always been very pragmatic about evaluating seasons as a whole. You know, you don't want to overreact to a, a month or a, a half. But in some ways, does the way last season started and where it led put that much more emphasis on the way this season starts for that reason? But also because of how it starts with some of the teams you guys will be playing out of the gate. It's a pretty um, significant launch into the season this year. Well, the good news is we'll play some tough teams early, but then we, you know, we'll play them down the line. But, uh, you know, how you start isn't necessarily how you finish. So, uh, you know, obviously we're going to try to start strong and be strong the whole way. But there's so many ups and downs to a baseball season that, uh, you know, you can have a wonderful start and, you know, before you know it, you're below 500. So... It's a great game that way. Very, uh, very uncertain. Uh, Bill, with just how important, obviously, ticket sales and attendance are, do you, do you or any concern about carryover just from last season going into this year? Obviously, looking at it for, for a bounce back after a tough season, 
Well, you can talk. To yeah, that. I'm, we're actually pretty happy so far with our ticket sales. Um, we uh, right out of the gate we started a little slow, and then um, Mo made those pitching moves. I think that really bolstered uh, interest in the, the team. And when you look at sort of where we are right now, um, it sets us up for, I think, achieving our goal of three million tickets sold, which. Um, is always a great milestone for us, um, out of reach for many clubs. Uh, there are teams that have been around for a long, long time never gotten close to that number. So um, I think our fans understand that, that we have a team that um, figures to be very competitive this year, and um, I think it's showing in, in, in the pre-sale. We sell about 70 80% of our tickets before opening day. So um, the off-season is very important. Um, but that last 20-30% uh, is a big piece of that budget that, you know, make or break. And, and that, that is a function of how we're playing and so forth. And we saw at the end of last season some no-shows and, you know, the trends that are obvious if you're not in the race. But um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised about where ticket sales are to this point, but we've got a lot of work to do, obviously. What about the other side of the group chat? I'm just calling Bill, I think. <laughs> Is that me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you talked about that last 20 to 30%. That's on a, a gross number of 3 million tickets, but there's also discount that's involved that sometimes you need to stimulate that. The team's playing well, you have to less of that, therefore greater profit. In a positive scenario where things go well, you can off to a good start, is there a possibility to invest further in the team later during the season if needed to sort of push them that last step? I think we've always had the belief that if you have some dry powder and your team is competitive, it mm -hmm. gives you perhaps an opportunity during the trade deadline or at other points prior to improve the club. Um, it doesn't have to be that way, but ideally optionality is, is nice. And then, you know... Um, a team that, or a, or a, a season in which revenue is outpacing budget and projections, just gives you that much more room, you know, uh, or flexibility. So yeah, I mean those things can play into, um, you know, we don't like say, you know, okay, we've studied the numbers and this is the payroll number. <laughs> I mean, of course, there's a number that sort of we start with it bounces around a little bit based on things, but. It's a little more fluid than you might think um, as as information comes in in the season related to revenue expenses and all that and from team performance. Sorry. That's my fault. Uh, from everybody, from you, you two all the way down to, I don't know, Bat Boys the lowest or what have you, but um, no offense to the Bat Boys if you're not the lowest, but uh, <laughs> is there a, a, a sense of urgency of restoration? Is that a fair way of putting it? Like, let's restore this St. Louis Cardinals thing to be winners not only in the regular season, but in the postseason, is that a fair way of describing it? Yeah, I think, well, we're trying to put the best team that we can on the field, and we're, our view is that, you know, if we do a good enough job, we'll be in that position. So uh, that's obviously our goal. Uh, you know, we've always said we want to continue to have year in, year out, strong competitive teams that have a chance to you know, go get into the playoffs and do good things in the playoffs. So, you know, we're, we're sticking to that. Um, 
hopefully we'll continue to stick to that and it'll play out.